the following program may contain adult situations and language that may be unsuitable for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Live from the RTDS studios, this is Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, proudly sponsored by National Fitness Training, with your host, Chuck Basti. Chuck's personal mission is to introduce the world to the people that motivate him on his inspirational journey into his world of infinite mojo. Here's your host, Chuck Basti. That's me. I feel like Walt Disney today because we're going to be telling a little bit of a Cinderella story. No, big Cinderella story. Yeah, really Cross slippers big. and yeah. it starts up the uh, starts back with the 1980 Olympics, which is coming up. 35th anniversary of the Lake Placid Miracle on Ice, when the United States beat the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union, four to three in the, what has been called the greatest sports moment in history. Cool. Well, uh, stay tuned. Grab a coffee, grab a carbonated beverage, whatever of your choice. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio and RTDS. Hi, it's Paul Capilcante, host of The Vinyl Experience, with a couple of magic numbers for you to remember. This is real simple. Are you ready? Here we go. Nine and three. Every Sunday at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., and for good measure, 3 a.m. on Monday. This is all Eastern Time, your times for the vinyl experience. Welcome back to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. 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 Mojo! Yeah, we stole that. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to your show. Thank Chuck's you. World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio. That's me. That's you. So we got a great guest today you on know, the line. <laughs> we have a Hall of Fame guest yeah. today on the line. A step above. Just just a small, big step up above. Um, my next guest is Craig Patrick. Certainly needs no introduction in the hockey world, having won two NCAA championships. Olympic gold medal with the Miracle and Ice team in 1980. Olympic silver medal in 2002 with Team USA. Two Stanley Cups, and I could go on and on and on about his family legacy, trophies, being named after his family, that sort of thing. Uh, but like I said, Craig Patrick needs no introduction, and I want to show... Welcome to the show, Craig. Are you there? I'm here. Thank well, you for having me on. Well, thanks a lot for taking the time out to, to be on our show. As we know, the Miracle on Ice is up this year for its 35th anniversary. Uh, of the uh, beating of the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union, in 1980 at the Miracle on Ice, which has been called the biggest sports upset in history across the board, transcending all sports. Uh, in hockey, it is definitely the number one moment in the century. Um, and so I'd like to start off with the, the process in getting to uh, 1980, Craig. So when Herb Brooks brought you on board as assistant coach and assistant GM of that team, um, there was a lot of civil unrest uh, with the Carter administration, you know, the, the absolute low of the morality of the American people. They are in hostages, the Af invasion of Afghanistan. Cold wars. Cold wars. Like, everything just culminated to this point in creating this, this canvas for you guys to paint. So what are your memories leading up to 1980 with that team and the expectations that USA Hockey had on you? Well, um, 
expectations just to do the best we could. We we had, we got together. Um, well, Herb brought me on board in like May. Um, right, he coached me in the World Championships in Moscow in in '79, uh, and uh, I was he made me the captain of the team. And while we were over there, he said. You know, Greg, I'm, I'm going to be the coach of the Olympic team next year. I, said, I was aware of that. He said, I've offered the assistant position to someone. I don't think they're going to take it. <laughs> would, you, would you be interested? I said, absolutely. So we got back from Moscow, and two weeks later he called me and said, as I thought, the guy didn't take it. Are you still interested? I said, yeah, when do you need me? He said, tomorrow. <laughs> so, this, this was mid-May, and I got out there, and... Uh, out to Minneapolis because that's where we were stationed. And uh, we sat down. The first thing he said to me, he says, you know, we're, the team we're going to have, and he, he knew who he was going to pick for the team, but we weren't. We didn't have our sports festival until August, but and this is May. And he said, the guys that we're going to pick don't like each other. They've been battling each other for NCAA titles all these years, and they hate each other. And I don't know how to make them a team other than I'm going to have to be a bad guy. And they're gonna. I want them to universally hate me, so that could bring them together. And then I want you to keep. He wanted me to keep the pieces together. So that's that was. He he was brilliant. Like he had this planned out year a year ahead of time. What what he needed to do. Who the people were gonna be. Um, so then we got together and had our national sports festival, and we picked the team that he'd already picked in his own mind a long time ago. And we went on from there. We were together for seven months after that. So I and wanted, he and I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I want to talk about, um, like, you had a bunch of ordinary kids. I mean, there was not, I mean, I shouldn't say ordinary. Um, they had a lot of, you had a lot of names there that were just regular NHL players who had long careers, some of which. Um, but you got them to do extraordinary things inside that team and to overachieve on, on paper what you should have you know, qualified for in the, you know, the, the tournaments in the Olympics. What were some of the things you mentioned that Herb Brooks was brilliant? Um, but inside of that melting pot of collectively getting these players to buy into his system, which was revolutionary at the time, to get them to do extraordinary things, what are some of the things that people don't really know about that you and Herb had to actually do to get those results? Well, it's really Herb. It's not. I, I, just, I was just a support person. But he, he, there were people that were at that sports festival, and I, and I went to the sports festival, and I was, my eyes were, I, well, I, I was surprised what I was looking at, because there was so many good players there. And we didn't take just the talented players. There were a lot of talented players that were left off that team, uh, a lot of them. And he, he chose people that he knew had the character to withstand the type of type of training he was going to do for seven months. He wanted people with great character that could become part of a team and, and get focused on, on the one goal we had. And that's the type of team he wanted. That's the type of people he picked. And and he did have, like, we worked really, really hard on it. I'm, even today I'm so proud of what those kids did because because of what they had to go through. We trained not only on the ice but off the ice, and we he had we'd go into a gym with a soccer ball, and he'd run his systems in a gym, 
just so that everybody knew exactly what they're doing all the time. And he could change, he, he had a handful of systems, and he could change the system at any point in the game. And all those kids knew exactly what they had to do. Oh. Which, you know, to me, I'd never seen coaching like that. <laughs> and, I haven't, and I haven't seen it since either. So. Wow, that's a, that's a bold statement, Craig, because you've been involved with hockey for 35 years at that, at that level as well. Yeah, but even, I mean, I've, I've seen all the good coaches, great coaches in the NHL. They don't have five or six systems. they got one or two maybe. Yeah, at most, yeah. And, and these, kids, these kids knew each and every step they had to take in each and one of every herb systems. Well, I want to actually talk a little bit about the Miracle Ice um, in the process of getting there. Because if you look at that story to me, Todd, how that actually plays out is... Um, it's it's almost like life. You, you look at the what you're up against as the host nation of the United States. You know, coming into this tournament as well, um, they got kicked around at Madison Square Garden a week before, <laughs> a couple of days before the Olympics started up by the Russians, ten to three, which made that score sound even closer than it actually was. Those goals were highlight reel goals the Soviets scored. Um, mm-hmm. But then, but then the story starts to really unfold, and I mean, it was like the perfect story. If you wrote the script in Hollywood and you submitted it for a movie they'd laugh you out because it was just so ridiculous but I want to start with the Sweden game you guys go into the Sweden game uh, pull Jim Craig at the end of the game you're down 2-1 to one. Uh, Bill Baker scores the goal to tie the game which if that doesn't happen you guys are done There's, there, you, right. you needed the point against Sweden to get to the medal round to even qualify for that the next game right. you upset Czechoslovakia which was a big upset at the time and you, and you tossed them around so that was a huge win um, then you go to the momentum starts building, then you get the easy games like Norway and West Germany and Romania, and you roll through that to get to the Miracle and Ice game. And throughout the, 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 the tournament, that momentum starts going and going and going. But Mark Johnson has two goals in that Miracle and Ice game. He's overshadowed. Right. I spoke with Dave Christian at a charity event in September, and I said to him, I'm like, if you don't take that slap shot, with five seconds left in the end of the first period against the Soviets from center ice. Center ice. Center ice. Like, you know, mm-hmm. this is what yeah. before icing. He, would, if you miss the net, it, it goes for icing. Yeah. Um, right. the, the, the puck comes back into the American end. Trechak, the best goal in the world at the time, yeah. kicks out a huge rebound. Yeruzioni's going to the bench. Mark Johnson jumps on, splits the defense, takes the puck, and scores on Trechiak with one second left. Changes the energy of the entire game. Trechiak's on the bench to start the second period, wow. which has just yeah. never happened. When yeah. does Trechiak ever get pulled? Yeah. Changes the entire energy of that game, and then inside of that, the, the real beauty of the game shows up. So, Craig, in that game there, what was your greatest memory, and how did you see that unfold? Well, I... I I want to digress just for a second. Yeah. Last night, ESPN ran a, a, a they call it 30 for 30, but, but they ran a, a show specifically about the that 80 Olympics, but they did it from the Russians' viewpoint. Oh, boy. And they, and they had all the guys on, Fedosov, Trejiak, Kasatonov, all of They had them all interviewed. Mm-hmm. And what Trejiak said about that particular goal Mark Johnson's goal at the end of the period was that the guy he said the defenseman thought the period was over. I thought the period was over, and Dave Christian shot that puck and surprised us all. And then Mark slithered through and got the rebound. But they they thought the period was over. They they kind of let up, and that's what that's what they were saying. 
So my memories from that particular game were, were the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Long 10 minutes. <clears throat> yeah. Long my 10 heart minutes. Was in, <laughs> my heart was in my mouth for 10 minutes. It was like, you got to be kidding me. And then, but it was awesome to see how, how it played out for us. When, I mean, Herb had said in the movie Miracle, obviously, we could play them 100 times. They might beat us 99 times. This was the one time the forces culminated. Um, the systems worked. The legs were there in the third period. Uh, the Soviets had never, ever played a team that had been able to compete with them in the third period with their conditioning. Um, inside of that, for the last 10 minutes, after you losing, he scores that goal. It's about clutching grab, pucks in deep. You know, biting off time because you know in ten minutes the Soviets could score five goals, and, and everybody knows that. So you're just trying to keep them at bay. You're just trying to keep them at bay. You're just trying to hold on to this moment. But that moment there really culminated in one of the greatest gifts for hockey that transcended the sport. Because now that the United States wins this gold medal, I mean, the amount of players that enrolled in hockey after that, the credibility that the sport got in the United States, which is really well needed at the time, the, the story that it you know, created with the Cold War and you know, the Olympics, the United States got that inspiration inside of that, Craig. So when that happened for you, that opened up your entire career inside of, you know, transitioning from a player into management to the NHL. So talk a little bit about what opened up for you inside of that, because, I mean, that was a great stepping stone for, for everybody in the United States. Yeah, yeah well, for me, it was spectacular. I, I, uh, <clears throat> there was so much to do with, the, uh, with all the interest in the, in the players and after the Olympics, you know, traveling around the country, seeing, you know, signing autographs or whatever. So USA Hockey hired me to be uh, associate director, but really focus on making sure that all those things were taken care of. And, and the, I actually bought a house in Colorado Springs. I hadn't moved in yet, but I bought it. And then um, uh, the Rangers called, the Islanders called, uh, the Rockies called. Colorado Rockies. Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the Rangers interviewed me. It was to be like, uh, pretty sure I was the coach and GM, but Freddie didn't really want to do the GM thing, so they, they wanted to hire me to do that for them. Uh, the Islanders wanted me, me to be assistant hockey co- or assistant coach, and as did the Rockies. So I, I actually never interviewed with the Rockies. I interviewed with the Islanders and, uh, and uh, the Rangers. And I was going back and forth in in Manhattan to Long Island, and uh, I decided to go with the Rangers. So I went out to visit Bill Torrey to tell him that, you know, I'm going I'm to take the Ranger job. And he said, well, Craig, if you do that, I'm going to do everything I can to get you fired. Wow. So, <laughs> no, he was, he just, uh, he's one of my best friends. <laughs> so we had, I had a chuckle with him recently. They brought that story up in a group of GMs and former GMs, and everybody got a chuckle out of it. But, you, but you, and then I said, I'm proud to say I made it six years, so that's pretty good. Well, and you, you have family history there. Your, your grandfather, Lester Patrick, was, was, was actually won a Stanley Cup there, player-coach inside of the New York Rangers. So, you know, inside of the, the Patrick legacy, which is three generations at that point, between Lester, yeah. Lynn, and, and yourself there, you've started that legacy now um, of, you know, yeah. Hall of Fame. I don't know how many Stanley Cups your family has, but it's got to be somewhat of a record. So I, I think um, you know Lester yeah, had six. Um, you, you, I think your dad had one. You had two. Is that right? 
Okay, my dad had one, my uncle had one, my grandfather had three, and I had two, so... That's like Montreal Canadiens in the 1970s. <laughs> going to need the addition in the house. Yeah. So we're, we're going to take a break right now and pay some bills. On the flip side, we're going to talk a little bit about the Miracle on Ice uh, culmination in Lake Placid this year for the 35th anniversary and more with Craig Patrick on the flip side. And I had one quick question before we go to break for you. Yeah. So was there a perception before the Miracle on Ice that, what, American hockey wasn't uh, as good or there wasn't as much... Uh, you know, desire to play it. Well, what changed with that Olympic win? You know what? That's a great question. I'm going to leave that to Craig Patrick on the flip side because awesome. he can answer that much better than I could. Awesome. And uh, he came from the 76 Canada Cup team with the United States. So we'll talk to him about that on the flip side. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio. Out of this world. to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, or as we like to call it around here, whatever the hell's on Chuck's mind, on radio that doesn't suck. You're on talk-radio.ca with Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. That's me. Just before the break, you asked a question about USA Hockey. I did. You know, riding up to, you know, the, the 1980 Olympics. Um, I think at the time, the Soviet Union was obviously the number one team in the world, and everybody acknowledged that and knew that. Uh, they didn't really have amateur players. They, they had, you know, colonels and captains in the Soviet Red Army, yeah. which full-time jobs were just hockey. And Mihailov has went on record by saying he didn't do any Army stuff. He was just a colonel in the, in the hockey team. Nice gig. Yeah, yeah. nice gig. Yeah, and, 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 and they were 11. Yeah, they got the 11 months. Yeah, 11 months in, in camps where they didn't see their kids and, you know, families and whatnot. Uh, and right. then so yeah, I think the United States at that time was probably fifth going into that into that uh, that tournament at Lake Placid. So so before that, Craig, what was the what was the the USA hockey's objective? What was their view of, you know, where they were in world hockey at that time? Um, we, we, we felt we were underappreciated for sure um, but hockey had, had grown so much in the United States um, and again I, I kind of mentioned earlier that I'd been away from amateur hockey for 10 years and I, when I went back to see the sports festival I was sh shocked at the talent level that was there so it had grown immensely over a period of time that I was kind of away from it and, and, and since then, because of 80, it's grown even more. But um, <clears throat> I, I do want to say one thing about, because I, I mentioned I watched that, that documentary last night from the Russians' point of view. Yeah. And they, they uh, Shadyak even said, oh, we beat him 12 to 3. But then he corrected himself and said, I, I've been saying that for years, but now I realize it's 10 to 3. <laughs> <laughs> It's a couple of goals between friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It didn't matter. 12, 3, but, 10, 3, same thing. <laughs> I can tell you, having been on the bench for that game and watching our guys, our guys didn't play for the first period and a half. But they were two, we'd never played the Red Army team before. We played a bunch of Russian teams, but never the Red Army team before. Yeah. So our guys were in awe because they've heard so much about them. We literally stood around and watched them play. 
<laughs> three and a half. These guys are good. <laughs> Skating by. Before you know, before you know, it was seven nothing. Yeah. And then, and then for the last half of the game, we played and it was three three. So Herb used that. Obviously, when we were getting ready to play them again, he said, "You played them even. When you started to play, you played them even." Mm. And uh, which was a good motivator for those kids. I got a question for you as well. Going into that game, okay, so right now, if I had a conversation with you about what you know right now from that that game and what happened in your career, what has inspired kids to play hockey in the United States, if I sent you back in a time machine to January of 1980, two weeks before that Olympic game started, and you told you back then what was going to happen, what was going to over flow with this, what was going to happen in your career, with the legacy that you had in the hockey industry, would you have believed you? No. No. No, I wouldn't. Uh, that's, what I, I mean, that's what I was, I, you know, since I was six years old, that's what I, my, the life that I've had is what I dreamt about, but I wouldn't, uh, yeah, if I tried to tell myself that in January, no. It's a bit of a Cinderella story, isn't it? Like the ultimate Cinderella story, because yeah. it's like you. Know, I mean, first of all, it's David versus Goliath, which yeah. is a great story. But at the same time, if 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 I come back in a time machine and I recognize it's me, and then I have a conversation with me saying, "Hey, listen, you know, check this is what's going to happen here." I'm like, "Go to hell! <laughs> We're going to beat the Soviets. I'm going to be general manager of the New York Rangers, the head coach, oh, yeah. the you know Pittsburgh Penguins." Jeff Crosby. Like, you've had a really great run, Craig, inside of the NHL after that. Would that all have been possible inside of you guys getting a bronze medal or fourth place at Lake Placid in that 1980 tournament? Yeah, I, I, I really can't answer that, but but I, I can tell you that it sure jump-started my career. Yeah. <laughs> so, in your career, what would you say is your... I mean, you've had so many great moments... Um, on a hockey standpoint, I mean, you, you had two NCAA championships. You know, if you won the Stanley Cup twice, you've got the Olympic gold medal, you've got the silver medal from 2002 in Utah. If you had to pick up, you know, one to three of your greatest sports moments in hockey, what would you say they were? Um, you know, I grew up in a family in Wisconsin in the NHL, in pro hockey, and, uh, and I. I have to say, winning Stanley Cups was uh, my prim- primary goal in life, and uh, so I'd, winning our first cup in Pittsburgh is probably my my very best memory. Number two, the second cup in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't hard. <laughs> wow, you know, that's surprising to me. Was the second cup as as um, as dutiful as anywhere close in the the gold medal in Link Placid? Gold medal is next, obviously, but uh, you know, and it probably sounds silly to a lot of people, but you know, I just I grew up dreaming about winning Stanley Cups, and to be able to accomplish that dream has meant, meant a lot to me. Well, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because you actually had to go through a lot of growth to get to the Stanley Cups. You know, to, to gestate in the you know the mid '80s with the Rangers to go through that process. You know, to get fired at that point there. So I, I don't look at life as failures. I look at them as feedback, you know, of where you're supposed to be going. I mean, obviously, if you can look back in your career, you had seen all these things step in your way, but they were giving you the ability to grow and move forward in order to get you the Stanley Cups afterwards. What would you say that your biggest lessons were 
that when you're going through them at the time, you're like, wow, what's going on here? This sucks. Uh, but were some of your biggest growth, you know, your, your lessons for growth? Um, well, being with her, Brooks was uh, being with her, Brooks was uh, very instrumental. Uh, I played, I played for Scotty Bowman and Junior. Um, he taught me that you gotta, you gotta learn defense first, <laughs> and uh, then Herbie sh- showed us how to be change our mind process and how to, we don't have to be up and down the wings and so regimental we can we can do a lot a lot more offensively and spending the time with him and how he motivated people is very helpful growing up with you know in a family in, in hockey all the time you, you sit around and that's all you talk about my grandfather my dad and my uncle that's all they talk about when they're all together so um, all those experiences helped a lot but Hand, having been hand-on in New York was probably, with all that other stuff that built up to that, having the, the six years in New York, we never missed the playoffs. We had good years. Um, didn't win any Stanley Cups, but having that experience, I knew when I went to Pittsburgh I was going to be successful. Hmm. Yeah, well, I was going to say, at the end of the day, you know, the, the growth that you're moving into as general manager and as a person overflowing, you know, so that way you can be successful wouldn't happen unless you went through the failures. And obviously, there's a lot of those going oh, through wow. inside of that. But, you know, it's really created your legacy, who you are today, of what you've built and what you've done in, you know, over the last 35 years of, you know, your creation in NHL hockey. So I guess the question I want to ask you now is, how do you want to be remembered for all this inside of, you know, hockey, inside of being a father, inside of being a grandfather, a husband, and as a person, you know, moving forward? Um, how do I want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as someone that's been a good leader, fair, understanding, uh, treating everything like it's family. Uh, you know, just like I would treat my kids. I want, I want, you got to be firm, but you got to be fair and, and understanding and and loving, and those are things that matter to me. Mm. I think that inside of your work here with NHL hockey and anyone who's worked with you, Craig, uh, I want to thank you for your contribution inside of hockey because whether you're uh, from the states or you're from Canada, you know your contribution to the sport has really transcended nationalities of whether it be Canada, or the United States, uh, whether it be you know anything inside it's made of made the game better. Yeah, it just made the game better, and you've been a big part of that. So, uh, Craig, I really thank you for taking the time to be with us today to talk about the Miracle on Ice and the 35th anniversary and about your legacy moving forward. Thank you, Chuck and Todd. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. We'll be right back after this short break. That's a funky bass player. I like that. Man, yeah. it actually that drives my stuff. 
So we're doing the wrap up here. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, one thing I didn't mention is uh, Craig was talking about the Thirty for Thirty series with uh, ESPN. But um, if you're out there right now, the movie Gabe Polsky has put together is called Red Army, and it's in theaters everywhere right now. And it talks about the Miracle on Ice and the 35th anniversary coming up right now. It's perfect timing. So RedArmyMovie.com. We'll yeah. get you there. And if you want to be down in Lake Placid on the 21st, they are throwing a big 35th anniversary, and you're down in Lake Placid area, and you want to go down there and gravitate and enjoy the festivities of the 35th anniversary, I'll see you there. But you need a ride. Yeah, it's not an easy place to get to down there, but it's worth a trip to Acton. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you right back here next Tuesday at 8 p.m. on Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. Thank you for spending time with Chuck in his infinite world of mojo. If you'd like to get in touch with Chuck or Todd, the email address is feedback at radiothatdoesnsuck.com or call the feedback line 866-269-6155.